Jesus built my car. It's a love affair. Mainly Jesus and my hot rod. Yeah, fuck it. We talk a lot. Oh, wow, we do. Hello and welcome, Queer Horror Cult. This is episode 40. That's Holy fucking crazy. Shit. That's so great. I know, I feel like just yesterday we were on, like, I don't know, 18 or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, especially when you consider how much of the of the crap there is in the middle. Like, when those middle episodes are real Oh, bad. they're <laughs> garbage, yeah. I don't remember any of them. They're that memorable. No, I'm, I've been uh, really proud of what we've done so yeah, far. Yeah, me too, in all uh, seriousness. It's really cool that people are interested and they're engaging and... We love it. Yeah, like our, you know, slow but steady. We're getting more and more popular with each week. Um, so it seems. So that that's really... It's nice to know that we haven't just sort of peaked already and we're flagging. <laughs> but uh, who knows, after some of our hot takes this episode, maybe this will be... Enough to turn people mm. off, because I definitely have some things to say. That's fair. Uh, and I'll you just too. put it out there, before we get into our sh- our preamble spiel, we are doing an episode about cars. We are doing a car episode. Vroom, vroom. Car-centric. Car go car fast. Car culture. Yeah, and uh, I would like to preempt everything by saying I fucking hate cars. I hate how they're so mandatory. I hate how trying to live in a city when, like Edmonton when you don't have a car is just the most laughable thing Boy, in the world. Boy, do I have world. an essay for you to, uh, uh, to pull some quotes from oh, later I, on. I'm looking forward to it. From the 70s, no less, and things have just gotten worse since. Yeah, so um, I'm coming from a very auto-antagonistic kind of attitude here, and that's... Yeah, honestly, like, I, I mean, I drive. You don't. I'm do. so glad you drive, because <laughs> I would be fucked if you didn't. <laughs> And I, yeah, it's, it's one of those, like, necessary evil things. I don't, I mean, I wouldn't say that I actively hate it, other than, of course, in rush hour and stuff, but I don't like it either. It just kind of is, and I yeah. could definitely do without it. Yeah, no, there, when you actually stop and, and realize that, like, when you're driving, even just in, like, a, you know, two-lane, one-in-each-direction kind of thing, you're putting a lot of faith in, like, countless strangers to not just like veer across the middle line and cause a head-on collision just because yeah like yeah you are you're putting your life in the hands of so many different strangers and we actually stop and think about how baffling that is it's kind of horrifying and we all do this every day Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we see it as freedom yeah the open road well how about we get into that then because you mentioned to me uh You'd listened to a podcast that kind yes, of I had. blew this up a little bit. It did. I came across this tweet talking about how, like, cars must necessarily be viewed as, like, a libertarian technology. And I was just like, whoa, yeah, this is awesome. That's a take. Yeah, totally. And so the, the host was like, dude, this is an excellent take. And he's like, oh, thank you. I actually, you know, was inspired after listening to an episode of The Dig, which I mentioned in the... Uh, the ones who did the interview with Donna Haraway. Yes, yes. So, I, I yeah, they get another free name drop, apparently. Yeah, I said that was their only free one. <laughs> Whoops. So it's in part an episode about um, car culture and what, I guess, Marx called idiocy, which um, in its classical meaning, not, you know, like an idiot like we would say today, but it's this kind of, it's this like privatized isolation Okay. So if you think of, like, single occupancy car motorists on the way to work in rush hour gridlock every day, it's like, yeah, that's idiotic in that way. But um, it's also an interview with a geographer, I believe, named Cafoyato. I hope I'm not butchering that name. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about, like, well, yeah, his book on public transit and just, like, the rights, reconceptualizing it as a rights-based argument as opposed to just, like, this peripheral special interests kind of thing yeah and just the right to transportation and really problematizing 
like you said, that how cars are so central to being able to live and, and to be able to that move. That feels like so it's endemic fucked. of Edmonton here. Oh my too. god, it's the worst. Yeah, we have so much urban sprawl for a city. Yeah, of the a city is designed people, for cars, so. not for people or for living. And yeah. so, the, yeah, this episode was really like put into words a lot of anger that I've had for years. Like I know yeah. my sisters and I, since before we even got our licenses, we're saying like, you know, ideally we'd like to live somewhere where we don't need to drive. Been saying that forever. Right? And look where I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're here. Because I know my mom always said growing up, she's like, you got, yeah, she's like, I don't get you guys. Cause you know, I, I got my learner's permit the day I turned 14. I got my driver's license on my 16th birthday. Cause that was freedom. Yeah. And I'm just like, it's a freedom in giant scare quotes because yeah. it's as um, they talk about in this episode of the dig as well. It's, freedom that is extremely constrained anyway um so this paper that uh the podcast is about or that it it draws from it draws from okay okay so there's this essay from i think like 1973 by andre gortz g-o-r-z if you want to look it up um that is like the problem of the automobile and how in spite of supposedly creating all of this freedom, it's really just privatized and made us so reliant on it that right. it's dominated so many aspects of our lives. We spend hours and hours and hours just like isolated in these cars, mm. in gridlock, in traffic, and all these things. We've designed our cities to accommodate cars, which makes the cities unlivable. And then so we move... I'll just read this great quote from it if... The cities and towns have been broken up into endless highway suburbs, for that was the only way to avoid traffic congestion in residential centers. But the underside of this solution is obvious. Ultimately, people can't get around conveniently because they are far away from everything. To make room for the cars, distances have increased. People live far from their work, far from school, far from the supermarket, which then requires a second car so the shopping can be done and the children driven to school. Outings? Out of the question. Friends? There are the neighbors, and that's it. In the final analysis, the car wastes more time than it saves and creates more distance than it overcomes. Of course, you can get yourself to work doing 60 miles per hour, but that's because you live 30 miles from your job and are willing to give half an hour to the last six miles. To sum it up, a good part of each day's work goes to pay for the travel necessary to get to work. It's a whole rabbit hole you can go down that will make you really mad. Yeah, well, that whole idea of livability and how the city is catered to cars and stuff, like, it makes me think of how often I've talked about trying to get somewhere, and it's like, have to walk down the side of the road because there's no sidewalks. Yeah, And it's like, it's a business area. It's not like Mm -hmm. out in the boonies. It's a business area where it's like, the place I need to get to is along the strip, but it's literally, literally made no so. Sidewalk. So there's yeah. In yeah. the winter, I can't do it. You physically can't. In the summer, I can yeah. go through the grass, but in the winter, it's not possible to get to these places mm-hmm. unless you drive. Yeah, in spite of uh, the car representing this ultimate freedom of individuality, the open road, the like, so on and so forth. It's it, it ain't shit. It, it's a it's only a freedom if that's what you if you if you make the choice to opt into it. If you don't want to opt into it, it is stifling. Yeah, then have fun like it's not being unemployable it's, and it's, the, it's a lack of freedom. If exactly. You, if you opt so out. it's not real freedom because it's so coercive. Mm-hmm. If it was true freedom, then you would be able to make have no pressure to make choices meaningfully in a way that is completely self generated. But it's coercive in that. Yo, well, it offers you independence and freedom of movement. But if I, like you said, if you don't opt into it, your life fucking sucks. Yeah. Ooh. Anyway, though, um, anyway, that was. So that's our little diatribe about cars. But I should say, for as much as I lament them and rag on them and am, like, just against it in general, fuck me, do I love a good car chase. <laughs> I love seeing cars in smashing into each other. Yes, in okay, movies. Okay, yes. Yeah, like there is a lot of That's fun what cars are for. to be had. That's just their, their true purpose when, you know, after the revolution and public transit is freely and widely available, then all the cars will just be for excellent car chases and Evolution smashing. derbies, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's, um... So this week wasn't a chore for me to watch. Like, it wasn't like, oh, no, no it was car fun. movies. Yeah. Like, the idea of a car is fine, and watching them smash each other is, like, great. It's the live reality that I have so much issue that with. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's enough of our whining enough about, about this. Uh, first up, w- w- uh, this was a movie I knew you were looking forward to. 
We watched Death Race 2000 from 1975. Yes. Why was I looking forward to it, you ask? Well, it has one of my faves, Mary Warrenov, playing a pretty main character. So she gets a decent amount of screen time. I feel like I need, like, a little siren, like, sound effect, like radio stations have. You know, where they have, like, the lasers and the dumb sound effects. <laughs> the horny siren? I need, I need the horny siren for every time you're about <laughs> to get real horny with it, which is now. It would have just been going off constantly while we were talking about House on Haunted Hill last time. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't have heard anything. It would have just been the siren. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, too, also hold a very large candle for uh, Mary Warrenoff. Mm-hmm. And one thing I didn't know until this viewing, is that Death Race 2000 is directed by her cohort, Paul Bartel. Yes! Of, uh, Eating Raul fame, like that. I fucking love Eating Raul. It's one oh, of the best excellent. movies. Absolutely. And um, I love his little cameo in Chopping Mall. Just, uh, and even his cameo in Death Race 2000. Yep, yep, as the Swiss Dr. scientist Frankenstein's yeah. doctor. Yeah. Guy. yeah. It's, um, so the more I learn about his sort of oeuvre... <laughs> how that's pronounced. I'm more and more stoked. Like, Vinegar Syndrome recently put out Lust in the Dust, which I've been wanting to see for a long time because it's the Western with Divine. Oh, yeah. But uh, Paul Bartel did that. Well, they, I didn't all even the more know that to watch until, it. like, I flipped over the back of the case when it finally arrived, and I was like, oh my goodness. Like, oh, excellent. It's got this the vapors now. cherry on top of this excellent experience we are about to have one day soon, hopefully. So, Death Race 2000. We are... So this is from 1975, so we're a little bit into the future. Yep. Very, very futuristic-looking world. America. Well, the year 2000 still just sounds like the future. Like, it really it's, it does. It's 2019, but it's still just like the year 2000. Yeah, it has it just has a ring to it. Mm-hmm. So there, there's been some, some political stuff has happened. The country's reasonably restructured. The president is ruling from abroad for some reason. Yeah, w- w- He's, like, uh, he's in Japan at his, like, or his, something? They ask where he is, and they mention a bunch of places. He's like, he's in his summer home in Peking, kind that's, of thing. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, it, it's odd. And America is at war with Europe? Oh, yes. They you hate, they, yeah, Europe is they just... They hate the French. They hate, yes, yes. And, yeah, they're just, um... Which is so funny, because, it's like, really? <laughs> Western Europe and North America? Sounds fake. Yeah, you like... Can, no, you guys are, like... You know, colonial birds of a fucking feather. Like, the only way I could read this future being is that they've colonized the rest of the world and they have no one else to, to, oh, maybe. to go after. They have to go back to infighting. But then, you know, it's like, then we'd have to accept that they were able to colonize China. And yeah, that bitch, seems please. pretty uh, extreme leap of logic yeah, there. Yeah, so. just a little... So and Russia. Yeah, so and, I don't know yeah. what's going on. I don't think. On, anyway, but. yeah, so some some kind of seemingly improbable future. But then there are the parts that do seem probable. So there's this yearly event. Yeah, the uh, transcontinental death race. I don't think they even call it the death race. They don't race. call it that. They but, don't. Yeah. But yeah, they have um, a certain, like, five drivers, mm-hmm. the best in the country, who are racing from New York to California. Yep. And... Part of the shtick is that they have to try and hit people. They have to score points yes, along the way. Yes, and the points differ depending on are you killing a baby, are you killing the elderly, man, woman, child, adult, yeah. so on and so forth. Yeah, the elderly are worth 100 points. Yep. So it's, yeah, it's this um, quite the spectacle, not just mm-hmm. of the race itself, but the death spectacle too. And then you also have the drivers and their cars. And their personas. And, yeah, yeah, they all have, like, a theme. This is the part that seemed, like, the, the most unbelievable part of this movie was that it wasn't called, like, Death Race 2015. Yeah. Maybe, because there, you know, there was a literal Nazi. Yeah, there was a literal Nazi, and there were fans waving swastika flags and stuff and like that. And every time she hit, she was like, Blitzkrieg! Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. like talking about the master race and shit so it's like this is a little too close for comfort it's one of those things where they went so far out it's like this is a dystopia no one will ever believe in and then it's like well 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 excuse you're, the you're fuck like, out you of me you, you were just off on your prediction by like 15 years mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is pretty good i would say yeah it's pretty close yeah. depressingly close yeah, yeah 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 and then um our queen is playing Calamity Jane, I think, yeah. is, uh, she's got, That's like, the right. Bronco car and that, like... Yeah, so she's played, yeah, named after a violent-ass colonizer, so that was also disappointing. Yeah, that was, uh, a learning experience when you dropped that nugget of info on me, and it's one of those things, as soon as she said it, it's like, well, I guess I didn't really expect it to not be the case. Right. Like, I, it's not like I had this 
folk hero kind of like could do no wrong image i guess i more had no real thought mm-hmm. kind of thing but then it's just like and then you see the very western kind of yeah. outfits and stuff and you're like oh, of course yeah um what else we had that dude nero who was driving like his chariot style card and yeah it's like, funny we had like a classical roman looking thing but then we also had like a contemporary like jersey italian yeah played none other than by <laughs> sly stallone as a uh, machine gun jova turbo that's him and then we have uh Bill from Kill Bill. We've got Bill. We've got Kung Fu, Walk the Earth, David Carradine. That's his name. I, I could remember the last name, but I'm like, what's his first name again? Yeah, David yeah. Carradine as a Frankenstein, the protagonist, I the guess. The only two-time winner. The only two-time winner, and they do this huge spiel about how it's like, replaced his arms and legs because of that crash in 97 where he lost his arm. Replaced half his face. Where his face was gone. Et cetera, et cetera. So he's, he's a He's a cyborg. I should say right before we get further into it that this is a New World Pictures movie. So, you know, Roger Corman's yep. production company. So, as can be expected, this is a real horny movie. It's pretty horny, There's yeah. a. It seems every time they get to a rest stop, they get massages, they drink a bunch, and then the drivers all fuck their navigators. Mm-hmm. And their, their navigators are, of course, always of a different sex. Yeah, it's funny. Them. I found it, like, f- nicely progressive that there was no big spectacle made of the fact that drivers could be men or women kind of thing. Yeah, that was pretty cool. But then on the flip side, there is always that heterosexual pair up. Like, mm-hmm. so the heteronormativity and, like, cisnormativity is, like, not even questioned. It's just there. Yes. But then the, like, gender parity within those terms is not questioned in the sense that it's, like, we've moved beyond this, you know, like, mm-hmm. and so it was an interesting kind of conflict going there, between yeah. the two because on the one hand it's like oh that's really cool on the other hand it's like well of course that's yeah, it's what just you're like, gonna do paul bartell roger corman like don't you know by now that by 1975 that mary warrenov does not play heterosexual women no like you okay she does the odd one but like her real standout roles save i guess for mary bland yeah are gay as hell yeah and Looking I, at sugar cookies. <laughs> I, yeah. Like, I feel like that she just has that energy, that vibe. She and does. I and I was reading an interview it. where she talked about how, because um, when she started acting with, like, drag queens, and she's like, they are going to out-feminine you every single time, so I would play the more butch role instead to compliment that. Nice. And that brought that big, like, lesbian energy, so... She gets all these roles with, like, Mary, do the thing. She's like, what thing? They're like, we think you know what we're talking about. She's do so the thing. Severe oh my in this God. Way that I love. Yes. Like, very daddy. Very. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. But there was a lot of great little social comments in this movie. And it was always like, it was hilarious. This movie is so <laughs> fucking funny. It's so funny. It is. I forgot how funny it was. And I remember having a blast with it when I was, you know, a teen who didn't really get things. Didn't um, get, the, get it. Yeah. And then watching it now, it's just like, oh, a whole new level of appreciation. <laughs> um, of course, one of my favorite jokes back then that I still loved was when, uh, cause the elderly are worth a hundred points each. Right. They, they're driving along and Frank is driving along with his navigator and she's like, what's going on there? And they look and all these nurses are wheeling elderly folks like in their hospital beds in wheelchairs, just parking them in the middle of the street. And he's like, Oh, it's euthanasia day at the hospital. <laughs> it's like, Holy shit. Of course it is. It's Obama's death panels. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's Again, a great off twist. by like, you know, eight years or whatever, but they're close. I do like the twist where at the last second he veers into the, the ambulance uh, lane yes. and just like runs down all the doctors. Social instead. justice king. Yeah. It should, like <laughs> instead of taking the big point scoring, just like has fun with it. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, they, they, they've been doing this for years. They they need to be humbled. Yeah. Thinking they can just throw, throw out the elderly like they're trash. And then there's another thing going on with armed revolutionaries. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, and I might be wrong, but I got the impression that part of the agreements came out of they were like a, a union or something like they were related to like a trade union or something. Yeah, that was something fucked like over. that. Right. And um, they're like, we need to put a stop to this immoral race and we need to show the president that and we're not fucking around. And the shit ass president who's never even here and who acts like this like supreme leader. Yeah. Seeming, yeah, it seems like a rather undemocratic future yeah mm-hmm. very dictatorial and we have uh so we get these all these little like 
fucking Looney Tunes ass plots to oh take Oh my up the god. Drivers. Okay, what fucking destroyed me was when they did the like fake tunnel thing. Yeah, they like, did the detour sign. Like in I was like, am I watching Wile E. Coyote? This is the best shit ever. The fake tunnel that leads to the cliff. Or it's like, like black curtain. Lost my down. mind laughing. Oh, it was oh so my, yeah, good. Oh this my, loon, yeah, this Looney Tunes ass movie, but live action. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's excellent. Oh, fuck. I love this movie. It's so good. <laughs> and uh, the cars look great. They look like some very. They look like when you get on, like, the roller coaster at, like, a county fair, how they have one looks like a bug and one (laughs) looks like a lizard, like, in the, like, a teacup ride. They do have a lot of personality. um, Bumper cars. Like, it's almost like a goofy carnival-esque version of Mad Max before Mad Max even existed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, it was, uh, I don't know, this movie's a lot of fun. It is. Um, I think in terms of what we had to say about cars, it does something interesting with intentionally using the car as a weapon. Right. Where we, as, you know, there are thousands of traffic fatalities every year, Mm -hmm. and we just kind of accept that as, like, it's just a normal part of life. It's It's a normal tragedy. It's pretty sad, but it's normal, and we're, but it's not intentional. It's just the way things are. And whereas isn't that here, all kinds it's, of fucked up. Yeah, exactly. It's whereas in this movie, it's like explicitly like, yeah, that's a car, these cars are killing machines. It's intentional, but then it's also treated as it's a fact of life. It's like yes. they know not to go out on race day, so you know there's nothing we could have done to avoid it. This is just the system. This is just the infrastructure. And this is what we do for America. Mm-hmm. So in it, that very like Hunger Games, Battle Royale, etc. type. It's this blood spectacle that it's it's for the people. It's to keep us strong. It's to keep us as we need to be. Mm-hmm. Pur- very purge-like, too. Yeah, but it's funny how, like, the attitude... Like, it's. I, I think it's really interesting you bring up the uh, attitude we as a society have towards traffic accidents, that no matter how sad or tragic or anything like that, it's still accepted as a risk, like an acceptable risk. To... Yeah, and so often, like, I think of um, the Humboldt, yeah, hockey players. That, I was just that, thinking about yeah, that. Yeah, couple couple years ago, or no, I guess it would have been like a year and a bit ago now. Yeah. And briefly, um, so there's a huge outpouring of grief over it. Yep, but but at, at the intersection at which this horrifying accident that caused so much death to so many young, you know, kids who hadn't even like lived their lives yet, this is not the first fatal traffic accident that has happened there, and we have decided as a society that the cost of making it safer the the money cost is worth more than the lives of our citizens yeah and our children specifically in this case and And we've just oh no it would cost too much so it's like okay so you're saying money is more valuable than human life and wellness this is another one that just fucking kills me well yeah but that attitude is exactly what the the whole world that supports this sport has Mm -hmm. on this very intentional form of murder like recreational murder. well yeah look at the geriatrics they're just like and it's euthanasia day so yeah and there's um that group of fans for frankenstein where like one of them's just like i wanted to meet you before tomorrow and he's like what's going on tomorrow and she just dicks off and of course sure enough she's offering herself up as sacrifice to get right you, you made the you pointed out the parallels to um the purge tv show and fiona dorf's oh, cult God, i got so many fiona dorf vibes totally. from, from like that like as far as that character yeah arc. yeah the, the like self-sacrifice mm-hmm. is one with the purge or whatever yeah because really, you're, you're, you're acting like a martyr who is just helping the cause along. Yeah. Or whatever. Another thing that I found interesting about cars, in terms of this, is it reminded me of the car culture of, like, sort of, like, quote-unquote, souping up your rides. Mm-hmm. Like, making yeah. it look real flash. What kind Extremely of frills can you do? What kind of thing? Yeah, very, pickup trucks. Well, that's trucks here, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, you've got, like, the show cars in Japan. or like, the big right. rigs that have all the lights well, on. Well, even or... here, you get, like, I, I don't know, it's, it's summer now, so you're seeing every. Everyone who owns a fucking, like, Ferrari, Maserati, mm-hmm. etc., rooming around. Yeah, or I so, think of, like, the, um, mu- their muscle cars the sort of, like, low-rider rider culture, where it's just, like, tricking out the low-rider to, mm. to be, like, more and more impressive kind of thing. Yeah. And this feels like an almost, like, cartoonish version of that, with yeah, how these cars are weaponized, and right. like, they, they have character, as they you do. pointed out. Yeah. They're, like, little characters. Yeah, it's, like it's taking that spectacle, but then to a 
very uh, absurd extreme. Yeah, like Machine Gun Joe's, it has this big, like, knife. Like, he's doing the like, whole, like, like, like Italian mafioso kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. He's got this big knife on the front and Tommy guns where the headlights go. The Nazi's, like, in a Panzer tank, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, the Calamity Jane, hers has, like, the big bull horns on the front. And it's, yep. like, this long, like, laid out, like, very Texan kind of thing. <laughs> Nero's, like, this gold chariot-esque looking thing. Frankenstein's is, like, the least like the name in that it's this weird green lizard looking thing. <laughs> it's a great car, but it's just, like... It's like, all right. Yeah. Either way, I think we both glowingly recommend this Absolutely. movie. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. The next movie... It's, um, well, I'll just say it's Drive Angry from 2011. <laughs> it sure is. Um, this one was a blind watch for both of us. Neither of had seen it, and unfortunately, I don't feel like I got much out of it as far as this topic goes. Yeah, no. So I don't know how much we're really gonna say about it, but there were, uh, a few interesting points that I did want to talk about the film as more of a film kind of thing. Uh, first off, it was Drive Angry 3D. So, yeah. how often did shit get thrown at the camera, launched oh, yeah. into the camera? Just like that constant. It reminded me of watching Friday the 13th Part 3D when like the guy's <laughs> yo-yoing and the camera's right. just below the yo-yo and there's just this extended yo-yo it's because scene. we can. Yeah, and it's like that's it's like okay, cool. So, even though the technology's newer and more impressive it's you're still doing the exact same sort of tricks that you had i mean like what else are you gonna do you're not gonna do like a 3d movie of my dinner with andre and do like a static side shot camera angle (laughs) the whole time but well why not just make it atmospheric feel like you're there the waiter just keeps going in front of the camera it's like oh i felt like that waiter almost bumped into me (laughs) again just like excuse me excuse me as he shuffles past brush up against my nose and then they could go full William Castle and they just like spray mist onto the audience. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I got you with the soup a little bit. <laughs> just, they could go full William Castle. With there you it. go. Actually, I kind of like this idea now. Yeah, full Brechtian. Drive Angry. I was stoked to see it because of the premise on the back. And the premise was, was a spoiler when you actually watch the right. movie. Because the premise on the back is just like Nick Cage out of hell trying to save his daughter's daughter kind of thing right so i knew that that's what's going on but then they play it kind of mysterious for like yeah, and i guess i movie. didn't know so i was like okay what's going on here yeah yeah this is and extremely it's just cursed like, i'm like oh why did they print that on the back i mean i've spoiled it for you now but this is also the kind of movie it's just sort of popcorn entertainment yes um i'll also say that i wanted a little more car chases yeah, like, for a movie a that has drive in the title. action that was outside of cars, and other than the one when they're sort of chasing the big uh, RV, like, that was the centerpiece action, like, car chase. There wasn't really much else, just, like, people driving fast, and they pull over somewhere and get in a gunfight in a bar mm-hmm. or something, or in a church, or yeah. in a abandoned prison kind of thing. But the main reason that I didn't want to just completely skip over this movie, because we didn't have much to say, is the fucking villain in this. Oh, daddy, this villain. Um, he looks like every lead singer for, like, a post-grunge band. Like, he's got the, <laughs> the velvety shirt with the huge fucking collar that almost looks like a disco shirt but it looks more like a pickup artist shirt he's got the soul patch he's got this greasy look about him he's got the coke nails on every single finger yeah christ i think i even said when we were watching it it's like this dude is like he played at the bronze (laughs) he was on buffy and played at the bronze you can just fucking tell oh yeah absolutely so it's kind of funny for like a weird greasy dave navarro knockoff kind of dude (laughs) just like being a gross-ass cult leader who, like, gets his dick bitten off, like, very early Yeah, I was gonna say, if, if, you want, if you're, like, not sure about this movie, I would say just go watch Mandy instead. Oh, yeah. That was the other thing. For for a movie, I was hoping for some cage rage. Yeah! But he was pretty subdued in this. He was. Like, that was more at the script level than anything. But as far like, as the whole, like, oh, was, uh, a female relative of mine that I care about got mixed up with a cult. And oh, shit's shit, gone yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, just watch Mandy. Yeah, Mandy... Just watch Mandy. Is, like probably my favorite horror movie of that year of 2018 it's close mm-hmm. um so uh yeah i think we'll definitely have to do an episode on it at some point yes let's um, do for a rewatch yeah but as far as car stuff goes this just th- there's no commentary really yeah i realize we're dumb as shit hmm 
Ugh. Fuck. Right? <laughs> we are going to do a bonus episode to this episode to drop at some point in the future. Um, probably be a quick 20 because uh, Aria just pointed at a poster in the room right next to my head. She's facing it. That is for David Cronenberg's Crash, which we did not watch this week. So And it didn't even occur to us. Oh, you know what we will do instead of a bonus episode? We are going to do a brain fart episode at some point where yes. we're just going to pick three movies that we can't believe we brain farted on not including. Yeah. And we'll do this from Crash time to time. Crash is number one. Yeah, we'll do this from time to time. We'll just sort of like collect the movies. as like, why did we like fart our way out of that? Like, we'll do Crash, <laughs> I think. Girl Walks Home Alone at Night yeah, for the Vampire, the vampire episode. One. Yeah. And, uh, so we had, a, we had a few that were like, okay, we're, we're going to do this. Yeah. There'll be little addendums. I found like three or four for the Cats episode and like they're all... <laughs> better or at least on par with what we ended up watching for that episode we watched a lot for that one <laughs> yeah we did whoops yeah i mean it's no clovis but hey yeah yeah so yeah there you go um look for that brain fart episode in the future at some point what we did watch though next was uh 1981's road games mm-hmm. and this one was pretty interesting it was mm-hmm. like a, not quite a slasher movie more of a thriller but it was like rear window on the highway like i'm pretty sure that must have been how they pitched this movie oh yeah would have had to have been if they didn't it would have been like how did you get it funded without yeah how else would you pitch it yeah rear window but instead of it being jimmy stewart laid up at home in his apartment with a telescope it's a lonely long-haul trucker with nothing but his dingo to keep him company that is so good okay that's so funny because i i guess i'm not super familiar with what dingoes look like yeah so when he you know he picked up the the one hitchhiker or no she i guess she climbed into his truck and she's like what is that he's like oh it's a dingo i thought he was just being a dick yeah 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 but (laughs) it was a dingo yeah, no, um... I just thought it was a puppy. This is an Australian movie. Yes, um, so that that's why they call... He's, oh, it's, it's a dingo. It's like, okay, yeah. that's actually believable, but mm-hmm. like I said, I thought he was just being a dick. Yeah, it, his whole vibe, it could have gone either way, though. Like, it this really could have. Um, this one stars Stacey Keach as an American expat driver for, like, Big Rig. No, he's not a truck driver. Just because he drives a truck... Does not make, make him, him a, a truck, truck driver. driver. As he says, ad nauseum. And then... Uh, as the main hitchhiker, we have Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, so this sort of fits in nicely with those early 80s slasher movies she followed Halloween with. Mm-hmm. But this one doesn't quite play like a slasher movie. Yeah, not it quite. Even though there are, there's a body count that, but to an extent. Yeah. It's not really the focus so much as the, like, the chase. Yeah. And the, what is he doing? What is he going to mm-hmm. do next? How do we get someone to, the police to pay attention? Yeah, because, okay, so what the movie opens with is this truck, truck driver, this trucker, uh, pulls over outside a motel and he's, like, so stoked to go and get a clean bed and he's talking to his dingo, like, he will not yeah, he's, like, delirious, sleep-deprived, yeah. like, he needs the rest. Yeah, he kind of, like, monologues his whole life, but especially to his dingo. Yeah. And, uh, just he's about to go in, he, this guy that he's seen, he's just commenting on to the dingo. He's just like, look at this guy. What's his character? John or Smith or whatever. What's this guy about? Look at this guy. He yeah, picks Smith or Jones, up. I think. He, yeah, yeah he's, he's like, he's, as he's driving, he's saying like, oh, that family there, that this is, the, I'm going to give them names Th- and the describe frugal their family, life. Yeah. yeah, the frugal family and that's so-and-so and that's the total like viper of a wife and all yeah, that yeah, poor yeah. guy. He's totally whipped and yeah, he's and, like narrating everything to keep himself yeah. entertained. And so it, this, this Smith or Jones yeah, guy. Yeah, it fits in with that as we yeah. find out. Yeah. Um, but then... As the guy signs in, after staring down the truck driver for a while, like, staring down the main dude, Motel flips on a no-vacancy sign, and it's just like, shit, the dude took my room. Guess I'm sleeping in the truck. But the dude had also picked up a hitchhiker mm-hmm. that the truck driver had seen, and he's like, oh, he took he took the girl, he took the, my room, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. he's gonna get pussy tonight, he's gonna get a sleep in a bed, like... And instead we're treated to a very Jalo-esque murder sequence. Oh my god, yeah. Where, um... The hitchhiker is playing a guitar nude, sitting on the edge of the bed, and in the bathroom that's, like, completely, like, overexposed, because it's the only light on in the place, mm-hmm. and there's steam from the shower. He's putting on these driving gloves, and he proceeds to garrote her with a guitar wire. Mm-hmm. And it's just the way it's framed and played out. It just reminded me so much of Jalo. Absolutely. And um, what the truck driver eventually learns is that this killer put down the truck driver's name on the slip because he read it off his truck. And so the cops immediately think the truck driver 
is the killer but he's just up to his road games as the title called where he just wants to drive around and play his road games and, and watch he's following everyone. this van driver he sees him like burying some shit in the desert yeah. he saw him like watching the garbage be taken away in the morning so yeah. like he, he knows something's up yeah but it i love how they played it in the way that if the if the ending like totally went the full-blown like you constructed this fantasy right and it's like completely coincidental um, that would have totally worked like too. In the Burbs. We watched that not too long ago. Remember yes. how they're like, "Oh, they must have murdered the neighbor. They must have murdered the neighbor." And then like they keep putting like thing on thing on thing, mm-hmm. and then it turned out there's a logical explanation for everything. Yes, it's that kind of a. I, it had that feel. To like me. it really could go, yeah. have gone either way, and it would have been like equally applicable. <laughs> mm-hmm. It wouldn't have been like, "Oh, you couldn't have done." Like both are are equally plausible. I yeah. guess I should say. What this does, as far as road movies goes, is it sort of plays on the trope of, like, the hitchhiker in danger that comes with mm-hmm. that. Like, Especially when you're a young woman. Yeah, like, that. that is definitely commented on in the movie directly multiple times. But as the title suggests, like, they, they make the horror of the situation into a game, and it, it plays like a card game on a long road trip kind of mm-hmm. thing card game card game right speculating what's the motive and do you think do you think he fucks the victim the bodies before or after he kills the people yeah 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 it it gets a little morbid yeah just a little bit the people that populate this movie are so fucking quirky in a really weird way yeah i like how there are only like five cars driving on the highway in in australia well this i remember from the exploitation documentary not quite hollywood they talked about how part of the idea of that is it's playing to that idea like when you're on a road trip and you meet your road trip buddies on the road where uh, like you're following a car for a while and then you stop and then they end up stopping and you catch up to them again right. kind okay, of thing. Okay, fair enough. And so it was purposely trying to play off that That's fair. sort of thing. But you're right, it, it is Just interesting because it it's like there are five <laughs> people on the road in Australia. Yeah, or at least five drivers. Because that's a, they're like, you know, one car has a family in it, one car has like a newlywed couple in it yeah. and stuff. So, but yeah, interesting... Uh, cast of characters yeah and i love how our main characters in trying to investigate the murder they're so bumbling like it felt like a fresh breath of realism almost where it's just like like when they find the van parked and they're like oh he must be in the washroom just their whole like i'll be the lookout and he's holding that fucking like motorboat propeller thing as she's like rooting around in his van and they just it reminded me of the Coen Brother movie Burn After Reading, where it's just like <laughs> we're caught up in this intrigue plot, but it's just like regular Joes who don't quite know what don't the know fuck what the they're fuck, doing. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot of fun in that regard mm-hmm. too. Road Games, though, uh, I enjoyed it more this time than I did the first time I saw it. Because, like I said, er- like the dialogue is just a little off. Mm-hmm. The way everyone acts <laughs> is a little off, and it's just. It takes a little getting used to with this one. I could see that. Um, oh, I do remember one thing I wanted to say. Okay. So the background on this movie is that there's a strike in a oh, yeah. right? And it's like the, the meat workers are all striking. The, the butchers, butchers are striking. Yeah. So they give this trucker the call to like haul meat across the country so people can meet. And it's just like, so we're seeing the exploits of a fucking scab. And like, we're supposed the whole to be cheering movie. for him? It's like, our heroes is, is a scab, and it's like... And he's also, like, a weird misogynist. Like, they're speculating, like, oh, what? why does the killer do what he does? Assuming there even is a killer, and it's this guy driving this van. And he's like, well, why do you even care? And Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, Hitch, as he yeah. calls her, is like, well fuck yeah, it matters. Like, of course it matters. Right, because she asks, like, uh, why does he hate women? And he's like, that doesn't matter. And it's yeah, like, and she's like, yes, it does. He's like, well, cl- yeah, clearly he hates women and blah, 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 blah. And then the second that Hitch is gone and yeah, you know, it off plays elsewhere. It like, was she abducted or did she just fuck off? And then he assumes that, like, like he, he immediately jumps to like, oh, she's just a loose fucking slut who's yeah, like yeah, putting yeah. out for the first dude to pick her up. Like, yeah, there was some weird... Like, this dude had a weird fucking look at life. That's and for women sure. specifically. Yeah, 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 it was just like, whoa, some, my dude, okay. There was some weird misogyny down. I didn't quite remember yeah. from the first time around. Yeah, no, that was weird. Yeah. So it's like, okay. Yeah, so... <laughs> Whatever, man. And and I guess it, it also gets a little extra weird because the character portrayed in a way where we're supposed to find him, like, really lovable. Yeah, like, that's that's endear- the- you know, he tells it like it is. And yeah, he's, like, and meant to be like, endearing, but then, yeah. like, he'll pop out a nugget like that, and you're, and you're like... just like, nope. Nope, no, That's a nope for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, that's Rogue Games. Overall, I, I'd recommend it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me too. Cool, cool, cool. So, 
Yeah, two for three so far. That's not so bad. Um, but even though we had a gigantic brain fart and didn't include Crash for some ridiculous reason, uh, the next movie we had to include if we're doing a car movie thing, and we watched Mad Max from 1979. What? Oh, I'm just smirking it. So this is my second time seeing this, but it's been a long time. Right. So, and of course, it's from what, 79 you said? Yeah. So my familiarity with Mel Gibson being born oh. when I was, <laughs> when I was and everything. Okay, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard yes. in my life. So I know Mel Gibson as like a wife beating, anti-Semitic, really racist, terrible, racist, like piece of shit person and my image of him is very like stuck in like two you know mid to late 2000s like you expect him like to be passion of the christ era with his shotgun yelling at like yeah the probably drunk, a different race or something like that. yeah exactly just having that grizzled look so yeah that very grizzled like old man like get off my lawn yeah like middle-aged crisis mm-hmm. and so we're watching and the dude at the beginning of the night rider he <laughs> resembles Mel Gibson now. So, <laughs> and I, I know, I know, this is like 40 years ago, but I, I was like, I felt kind of brain dead at the time. So I'm watching this. And I'm like, oh, this, what the fuck, Mad Max? You're like a real piece of shit, huh? And then the car explodes and I'm like, what the fuck? How would he survive that? And so we get to a certain point in the movie and I'm like, Lori, this makes no sense. And she's like, okay, what well, doesn't make sense? And I'm like, well... Because the Knight Rider's Mad Max, and then she's like, what are you talking about? What the fuck are you on about? Mad Max is the cop who's been following the whole movie. Yeah. (laughs) That's Mel Gibson. I'm like, oh yeah, that is him. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And then she's like, yeah, no, he's a cop, and they're going after the bad guys. He's not one of the bad guys. Those people he was meeting with, that they were trying to persuade him to stay on the police force by showing him a fancy new fast car. They weren't underground criminals being like, yo, boss, you just got out of jail. Check out your new ride. So... But it was just like, oh my god. But I love how you didn't seem to confuse who Mel Gibson was then. (laughs) It's just, you just confused what the character was. So it's the kind of thing where it's like, he blows the fuck up, goes to jail, and then comes out. It's like, oh, do they have great plastic surgery in jail? Oh yeah, because I think right after that, like, car chase, he, like, gets showered off. He's like, oh, it feels so much better. I haven't showered for three days. I'm like, wow, he really cleaned up. Showered off that explosion. And that teardrop tattoo. It might have just been a beauty mark or something. Who knows? Yeah, so that was... a stunning revelation to come across while we were watching. This I think I might movie. like my my version better. I want to see your version. It, it's it yeah. would uh, I. Yeah, it's like it'd, it'd be a little Dadaist maybe. Fast and the Furious. <laughs> fast and the Fury Road. Oh yeah, too fast, too Fury Road. Oh, I'm so into it. Oh dear. So, but um, actual Mad Max. No, actual Mad Max is we get this vision of the future, which looks kind of like today, but. Not quite. Just a little off. Of, uh, like, the cars and the way people dress. Like, it looks like if the theater kids broke <laughs> out and took over the asylum kind of thing. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, That's a good way of putting it. But we're in this future where, the like, the oil crash has happened. So, gee, another thing that feels fairly... Petro-capitalism. Yeah. Um, driving so, the world into the ground. So I love this world where everything is so car focused. Like all these people are driving around in cars and they're obsessed with cars, but they have to like steal gasoline from tanker trucks that aren't guarded well enough. And it's like, oh, like you said, petrocapitalism is just like ratcheted up, and yet yeah, it's, it's like if you're, everything's if you're, cars. Everything is is about cars, but if you're driving, you're either copper or criminal. Yeah, it seems. Yeah, um, so. With that in mind, we get one of my all-time favorite car chases right at the start, just because of how much ridiculous, <laughs> like, oh, the stunt drivers for this movie, I think it was Grant Page was the stunt driver on this one, just totally slayed it with just smashing through everything and, like, the cars. It's these people making this low-budget, this no-budget movie out in the in the bush, and they're just like, let's just crash some cars into each other. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is our second Australian movie of the night. Yes. And I think I'll get into that a bit after, but cool. Australian car culture is just, like, in these exploitation movies, it's just unreal. But yeah, so after the opening chase where the Knight Rider, who's, you know, wanted for killing cops, uh, has heartily outdriven all of the other pursuit officers, as they're called, uh, Max 
rolls up to him and causes him to explode, which is fucking great. <laughs> Especially because there's like a split second frame shot of his eyes bugging out of his head oh, that gets it's so repeated at the good. end of the movie. Um, like I remember some, that was oh. my cover photo on Facebook for the longest That's time. That's why it looks so yeah, familiar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but he finds out that was kind of like he's ready to just sort of call it quits and live his wife live his wife live his life with his wife and his newborn child except not that newborn toddler, toddler that's named, named scrog scrog little scrog hey scrog um worst so he's ready to call it quits but the cops are like he's our best driver we need to keep him because the world's just so, going further to hell so they offer him like this Souped super up. super this super cherry ride kind of thing. And he's sort of swayed a bit by it, but he's like, I don't know. And they're like, drop this nugget on him as well. It's like, oh, by the way, um, the people that knew the Knight Rider, they all want you dead. And he's like, oh, I'll just add it to the list of people that hate me. But this is this gang run by this dude called Toe Cutter. So we get the Immortan Joe kind of like thing starting already. Yeah. Played um, by Immortan Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Like, like it's actually the same yeah, actor. Yeah, yeah, it's the yeah. same actor. Um, this dude was so off the wall. Like he's constantly oh, he's hissing a- at people. Oh yeah, he's making just, animal sounds. Yeah. He's like making faces. He only has one eyebrow. Yeah, I, I can't tell if he has a black eye or if he's wearing eye makeup on the on the eye that has an eyebrow. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty great. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a character. Yeah, and so are his lackeys. Um, yes, but basically we get this his one. weird like Italian lackeys. Right, they all have Italian names. <laughs> they don't all they? do. Yeah. yeah. The movie just kind of goes with them, like, fucking around with people while Max is sort of on the case, but not really. He seems very checked out at the start. Like, it's just like, oh, we came across, like, a vicious beating rape kind of thing. And it's just like, oh, we should be investing in these guys more. If they find one of the dudes still there, all, like, strung out of his gourds, they arrest him. But he gets out on bail real quick. Right. And, um, I don't know. I felt like Max did not... It wasn't until it got personal that he even really gave much of a shit. Yeah, he, like you said, he was pretty checked out. Yeah, um, but then it gets personal because eventually they decide to come for his family. Mm-hmm. And we the movie shifts gears into a sort of revenge. Like Mad Max comes out yeah. as we know him. And uh, we get some great chases at the end there too mm-hmm. where he's going for revenge. And uh, I liked your take on it where it's a world where everything is so car-centric, but you're either a cop or a criminal. If you have access to a car, at yeah. least, yeah. And uh, that's that that really what it feels like. like. We do see other people. We see the tanker truck. We see uh, the couple that gets attacked kind of thing. There's a dude who has an auto body shop, but he seems to work both sides. Like, he'll just work mm-hmm. for whoever comes through. Yeah. Um, but the bulk of the car action are these car chases, and we see cops driving around, or we see criminals driving around. And it's interesting how that's, like, a criminalization of mandatory car culture by virtue of how, like, there's an iron grip on it because of the the way that oil is inaccessible. Yeah, because because of scarcity. Yeah. But the culture hasn't shifted to accommodate a post-car reality. Yeah. So this is what we end up with. And we see that in the sequels where, um, like, Mad Max 2, the the Road Warriors, it's called, Mm -hmm. uh, follows... A large part of the action is these people have this fucking tanker truck and all these gangs are after it. Right. Fury Road, we see that everything is just ridiculous car. It's all about the guzzling. Car, car, car. At that point, it's under, like, dictator control of this fascist fucker, like... Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's why uh, Beyond Thunderdome is sort of the uh, odd duck of the bunch, because it's not really car-centric. Hmm. I haven't seen that one, so I think I've seen Road Warriors, it's, but it's been a couple of years, so I we didn't watch it. Oh, I thought we did. No, okay. I don't think we did. Okay, I, was, I don't remember if we, we talked do. about it, but we never That's did. That's probably why I thought we yeah. did. <laughs> um, this is a good movie. I, I enjoy the yeah, it's good fun the the fun of it, and I love the sort of precursor to saw we get at the ending right. when he's got the guy and he just like handcuffs his leg to the car that's going to explode, and he's like. You can use this saw to cut through your handcuffs. It'll take you about ten minutes, or you can cut through your ankle, and it's just, maybe five. Yeah, and it's like I'm as sure. as it, as the gasoline is pouring out, and he has this this lighter that's just there, and as, as knowing that as soon as it rises to a certain amount, the whole thing will just go kaboom. Yeah. So I'm it's like, do you really want to live? Yeah, you yeah. might have to live without a foot. What will you do? Yeah, pretty sure James Wan and Lee Wan all said that 
it was that scene that inspired the similarities that we see in the movie Saw. That explains so much. Yeah, no, good fun. Uh, it was kind of a goofy week this week. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Uh, I really dug three of the four movies, and even, like, when I, I bag on Drive Angry, I didn't dislike it like how I disliked Wizard of Gore. Mm-hmm, like, I didn't actively no. dislike it. I just thought, like, oh, okay, that was, yeah. a, that was a movie. Yeah, it's like, it wasn't super memorable, and... Yeah. I, like you said, I was, I mean, I went in expecting significant amounts of cage rage, and yeah. there were, there was like none whatsoever. It was subdued. Yeah. I it mean, was, he, it was a different kind of cage. Like, yeah, so it was still very Nick Cage, but like not. Like when he's fucking. Yeah, when he's. Drinking and shooting people all at the same well, time. Well, he's still just dicking a lot. He's like holding on. Like, yeah, that was extremely Nick that Cage. That was a fucking moment. But it wasn't the cage rage. No, no, that it wasn't. come to expect, so. Oh. Anywho, anywho. Did you want to talk um, about Australian Thank you. Context. Yeah, I thought I forgot something. Australian context. Okay, so we've got road games, which is actually the most normal version of cars, but cars are very present in it. Mm-hmm. And we've got Mad Max, where you've got these cars that, uh, they're, they're, they're realistic in this movie, but, like, they're not completely... They're not the Fury Road cars kind no. of thing, right? <laughs> not but quite there yet. There are like the sort of roving car gangs, or as they call the biker gangs, the boikies. The boikies. In this. Which is very sinister sounding. I love it. Yeah. I, lo- I love the phrase Oh, which is the so Hells much. Angels boikies. Oh no, this is a boikie. Like, I boikies fucking after love us. it, unironically. Oh, I fucking love <laughs> um, it too. Yeah, it's excellent. But there are so many exploitation movies from Australia that just have weird car stuff in it, whether they're car-centric, like with Mad Max, Road Warrior, or if, uh, like, when my, I'll get into my recommendation in a little bit, but that's also very car-centric. But then they just show up in movies, like fucking Razorback, the one with the giant boar that's going through the the bush eating people there's these two dudes that go around running over kangaroos and selling the meat to dog food factory and they drive this weird tricked out car and they look like they look like a fallout like like a gang from fallout kind of thing like they stepped out out of mad max Max into this movie they're just like this is just australia mate like um hell even the movies that have nothing to do with cars cars kind of play an important role Mm. i'm thinking of like there's a significant moment I won't spoil in Long Weekend that involves an automobile. Actually, there's a couple. And it's just odd how cars keep cropping up and it's up. It's a staple of, of exploitation. Yeah, like Fair Game uh, has these uh, poachers attacking this woman on a nature reserve. And there's just some really fucked up car action in that movie. And I mean fucked up car action kind of thing. <laughs> Take your word for it. Um, even New Zealand got in on the train with, like, death right. warmed up. I watched that recently. Severn Films put it out. There's these guys that remind me of the poachers from Razorback. Just these two mm. dudes in this weird van kind of thing. And it's just like, well, why are these Mad Maxian characters just stepping into this picture that this otherwise just Australian yeah. culture, man. So if we have any Australian fans, and I know we have at least one looking at the analytics. Or if you um, prefer to be identified as a listener. Yeah, yeah. Fan might be a little fan strong. Fan might be a little strong. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> you know, I haven't even gotten to know you yet. Um, what What is car culture like there? I was too young to even have an idea of what that would be when I lived there. And it's... I'm just wondering if there's, like, something that's so ubiquitous, because I think of it, like, in American hot rods kind of thing, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, car culture in America, if you show a movie with all these, like, like Fast and the Furious movies, I can point to the obsession in America oh, yeah, with like that kind of staple, car, right? Yeah. Uh, but Australia, I, it's, I know it through these movies, like, that mm-hmm. sort of car fixation, I know it through these, this particular weird, out there punked uh, post-apocalyptic version. Mm-hmm. So even movies that aren't post-apocalyptic become post-apocalyptic, like in Almost hindsight. Almost by association, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so Ozploitation is, uh, we'll do an episode on it at some point. There's so many episodes that we will do an episode on, so at least it means we Well, I mean, we're 40 in, well, we're, still, we're still going, so. We're still going strong. It'll happen. Yeah. Anyway, uh, recommendations. My recommendation is another Ozploitation. I'm recommending Dead End Drive-In from 1986. Well, that sounds fun. This is a great movie. Uh, It's, uh... We get another of that future where where the youth are up to no good. They just have these, like, tricked-out cars that are all spray-painted on, and they look like post-apocalyptic punks, and they're driving around doing blah, blah, like God knows what. So the people in charge decide the best way to deal with them is to sort of round them up in these 
almost set up like internment camps, but they are mm. drive-ins disguised as that. So when the kids <laughs> roll in to watch the movies, they realize they can't leave. And they just kind of these sort they they're like almost like Fallout Raider settlements. Just kind of grows in this drive-in and all these people are picking each other off. And there's, I haven't seen it in years, so I don't know if it's really problematic or if it's actually like a smart critique, mm. but there is race issues. Maybe a little bit up. of both, yeah. Yeah, because there is issues of racism, and I remember those issues being pretty prevalent when I did live there. Like, yeah, I was like nine years old, and I remember several times just seeing something happen and thinking, that was racist as shit. And I was a nine-year-old white kid who didn't even know what racism was. Right, kind of like, like, I'm pretty sure that was extremely yeah. racist, that thing you just said. Yeah, so... Uh, those people from another place. Yeah, so this movie kind of edges into that. But like I said, it's been a while, so there could be some problematic content in there, or it could just be, like, a critique. Uh, yeah, but Dead and Driven. Highly recommend it. Cool. Um, I'm going to recommend... 1983's Christine. Uh, John Carpenter. Yes. Total classic. Based off of Stephen King, yes? Yes, yes it is. Okay. I'm like, I'm not pulling that out of my head. That's true, right? Yeah, it's oh, true. I've he has so many fucking nugget. books. Yeah. Like, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, this one kind of looks at that teen... Like, kind of like my what I was saying, my mom was saying, you know, you turn 16, you get your license, yeah. it's, your, it's your key to freedom, your first car, all of these mm-hmm. big, like, central moments in, like, especially boomer life, I guess, because yeah. I'm going to afford a car these days, <laughs> um, <laughs> in addition to housing and, like, everything, um, and make, turns that into a horror story. Yeah, this is, um, this is the, I consider this almost like the unappreciated gem of John Carpenter's. Like, it's got totally. its fans and stuff. yeah. But when people even ask me, like, or if I'm talking John Carpenter movies, I never go to Christine first. It's right. almost like, right, that was a John Carpenter it's movie. Kind of, and yeah, not an afterthought because it's, like, an afterthought of a movie, but just... No, because when just, I watch it, yeah, I really it's, it's enjoy great. it. It's great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It has one of my favorite effects sequences. Yeah, that is fucking cool. Yeah, yeah, the you car, know what I'm talking yeah. about. Oh, yeah, I know. Um, really good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, great recommendation. Um, another one that we probably could have included in this episode, huh? Yeah. Like, I know with my recommendation, I didn't include it because I have a very specific episode yes. planned out that will be I think for Chris, I don't know if Christine was, we didn't include it because it was, I don't know, there's, if it just seemed too obvious or whatever. Because I know mm, we like to maybe. sometimes try and pick, like, not the first ones you would think of necessarily. I like to get that mix. Yeah. yeah like, Mad Max is kind of an obvious choice. Yeah. yeah. But, so you don't want them to all be obvious choices, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. Crash was like seems so obvious though, and it didn't even occur to either of us until I'm sitting here and I happen to look up and I'm like, oh my fucking god! Okay, we will definitely include Crash in our brain fart. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do Crash episode because like the as as the poster says, sex and car crashes. What more do you need to know? What more do you need? Yeah, that's like saying like peanut butter and jelly or like bread and butter or exactly Tom and Jerry. <laughs> think yes, of things that always things go that together. Always go together, and they belong together. Yeah, apparently. Uh, I guess that's going to do it for us this week. Thanks so much for tuning in yet again, and uh, or if this is your first time, hey, uh, we've got a bit of a backlog now, which is cool, and uh, we try to. If not in the titles, because we get goofy with the titles, uh, <laughs> at least in the descriptions, be pretty clear about what the topic is and what we cover. Yes. So you can always sort of thumb through those, see like, oh, cool, I want an episode that deals with like transness and body horror, for example. <laughs> my my mind to... meant immediately also went to Queer Eye for the Brundlefly. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's still pr- that that one's that one's a gem. Uh, Do I, recommend. I, I, I enjoy that one yeah. of our. But you can also work. be wary where if it's like, oh, I've seen all the movies except one. Maybe watch it first so you don't get spoiled. Yeah. That's you why get spoiled I, for that's you. That's why I put the movie titles in the description. Yeah. Because make it's an hard. informed yeah. choice. It's hard to go listening. into it without like I don't want to just spoil needlessly, but at mm-hmm. the same time, I want to actually discuss these movies. So absolutely, a lot of time that in just so happens to involve discussing the plot. Yeah. Funny how that works. Yeah. Um, if you haven't already, uh, maybe subscribe on, on iTunes and, or uh, Stitcher, assuming they, I, I assume they would have a subscribe yeah, you function. Would think, you would think. I think most. Um, if you've got the time would. for it, give us a rating or a review on That'd there. Be really that, cool. that would really, uh, put, put the, the jump in my step or whatever. Same. The skip in my step. That's the expression. The jump in my step. It's not even a fucking thing. <laughs> um, 
I hear that it's now storming outside. Yeah, you I, might I, be able I've to heard hear the that. I've heard the thunder yeah. for the last like ten minutes, and now the rain just started. So I think we'll wrap it there. Until then, on this rainy evening, take it easy and keep it sleazy.